Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back. Coming up on this week's show, our first impressions of MLS is back on ESPN. Peacock goes all in on the Premier League. CBS gobbles up more of the Champions League rights. Plus, we have letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. I'm Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, alongside my guest co-host, Nick Webster. All right, Nick, so we've got so much to get to in this episode. Uh, it's not going to be that lengthy, but there's going to be some good information in this one. We're going to talk more about CBS and and uh, some some scoop on, on, on what I know of, of uh, their plans for the Champions League, as well as, of course, uh, MLS and first impressions of what we've seen. But from this past week, uh, having watched all the different football from around the world, were there any games or one game in particular that stood out as your, your favourite match or most interesting match? Well, firstly, thanks for having me back, Chris. Um, you, you, you must be scraping the bottle of the barrel. Because <laughs> th- three times in the last five weeks, so I'm feeling particularly honoured. Uh, and, it's, and it's always great to uh, hear your dulcet tones and uh, be allowed to uh, wax lyrically about the beautiful game. Uh, too kind. And yes... Um, you know, obviously, you know, I'm a bit of a slave to the premiership, um, but I am so impressed, and it really pains me to say it, with Manchester United. This is a team that is completely unrecognisable from uh, the team pre-Bruno Fernandes. Yep. And it, it's almost, uh, you know, I mean... There's, United fans might say it's sacrilege, but it's almost Cantona-esque the way this man has come into the United team and just completely lifted not only uh, the atmosphere around United, but the players. I mean, I, I saw, and I mean, I, and I had to freeze my, uh, my TiVo, but I saw Paul Pogba and Anthony Martial smiling. I mean, this is something that, uh, you know, put, put it in the uh, collector's item because it just doesn't happen. And, and the football they're playing is really quite scintillating. And, you know, as, as an Englishman, really happy with the development of Mason Greenwood. I mean, yeah. this kid is, I mean, he's something completely spectacular. Two-footed, can hit the ball like a rocket with both feet. And then, uh, you know, you've, you've got young Phil Foden, obviously an, another Manchester product, but this time with City. And all of a sudden, it looks, it looks very good for the future of English football. So I'd be really impressed with that. 
And then the the other story that kind of made my uh, eyebrows go up a little bit was uh, the situation going on with Barcelona and uh, a certain Lionel Messi. Um, you know, supposedly Messi's very, very unhappy with what's going on with the uh, the backroom noises in the uh, the boardroom at Barcelona and, and making noises that he might actually want to leave Barcelona after something like 15, 16 years. So uh, that's that's definitely a story to keep your eye on. Uh, so those, those are the two things that have uh, really uh, got me scurrying around the Internet and, and reading everything I can. Yeah, for me, from this past week, I, I, I mean, I've watched some Premier League, I've watched La Liga, Serie A, I mean, you name it, pretty much watching soccer almost nonstop, really. But what stood out for me this past week so far has been the Football League. And a lot of it is whether it's the uh, the playoffs, the semifinals, one of which was uh, Fleetwood Town against Wickham Wanderers, which, I mean, for most people kind of hearing those names, they probably think, oh, gosh, you know, how boring is this going to be? But it was uh, in the first leg, it was um, a 4-1 game. You had uh, Joey Barton managing uh, Fleetwood Town uh, on the receiving end, unfortunately, uh, for him at least. And then uh, I think it was uh, Gareth Ainsworth, um, the Wickham Wickham Wanderers manager. And both of them looked like rock stars. They looked like uh, Joey Barton dressed up as, I don't know, some guy from Oasis. Gareth Ainsworth looked like he was uh, like a headbanger from Death Leopard or something. But uh, the funniest thing in this game was that um, not only were there two red cards and five goals in this game, uh, behind the stands, behind the goal, um, I guess the Fleetwood Town fans had put together a whole group of mannequins uh, to make it look like this was the Fleetwood Town Ultras kind of hanging around with a drum and probably probably a a likeness to to the actual Ultras or the, the hardcore fans at Fleetwood. But on top of that, in to- on top of those things, uh, late in the game, you had uh, Adebayo Akinfenwa coming into this game as a substitute. Uh, for anyone who's seen him in the past before, he's gone to he's played at several clubs, but he's 38 years old. He's 224 pounds, and this guy's got some great skills. Um, back in the day, oh, this is before your time, Nick. Uh, this is this is how far back this is. Fatty folks, you mean know, kind of like some of these legendary players who are just enormous. I think he was a goalkeeper uh, back in like what the late 1800s, early 1900s. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Akron Fenwa coming on into the game with about five minutes to go, and he can play. He can play really, really well. He can run, but that, so that that was something quite different that you don't usually see in the Premier League. Well, hence he only came on for five minutes because he was probably, you know, blown out of his backside if it had gone into the sixth minute. But yeah, I mean, to, to, to your point actually about the lower divisions, you know, I I, I follow what's going on in the championship, um, and that race is always so intriguing. I keep on thinking Leeds are going to choke, but they uh, actually did the business today with a thumping five nil win. So yeah. they're looking at they're looking in good shape. West Brom had a huge win over Derby and. You know, I've actually got a, a friend who's, uh, you know, on, on the on the board at Derby County, and uh, yeah, he was he was he was crying to me yesterday because uh, the baggies did the job on them. So for Derby, you know, they're 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 on the outside looking in at the playoffs at the moment, and they've got a tough run in, and they play Leeds last uh, second last game of the season, which. Uh, could actually be uh, a huge game both sides, you know, for Leeds to actually wrap up the championship and and get them back in the Premiership, which I think is going to be great for the Premier League. Oh, yeah. You know, It'll Leeds United are a team that needs to be in the Premier League. You know, as simple as that. So, Absolutely. Uh, I'm pulling for Leeds and 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 hope that they uh, 
you know, the last three years, <laughs> I mean, they've, they've put themselves in prime position to, uh, to get promoted one way or the other, and they've stubbed their toe every single time. So I'm hoping automatic promotion for Leeds this time. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Just uh, kind of a legend- legendary team, whether you love to uh, love to love them or love to hate them. But um, that, for me, is uh, I've watched a lot of the championship this past week. Um, that, for me, right now, is the go-to league. It's on ESPN+. Plus. Most of the games are on there. And uh, that is the most uh, competitive title race. Not only do you have... Uh, after that big win today against Stoke City, Leeds United at the top of the table. West Brom still are not safe. Uh, it's not guaranteed to be promoted. you got Brentford coming up real fast right behind them. And like you said, teams like Derby, Nottingham Forest, Cardiff City, Swansea City, my team, uh, Derby County, etc. This is going to be a really, really good run into the end of the season. No, I think you bring up a great point about competitiveness because of the, the fact that the playoffs... Uh, you know, do keep interest alive. And un- unlike, uh, I, you know, I mean, I've watched some of the games in the Premier League. And like I said before, you know, I'm a bit of a Premier League snob, but some of the games have been absolute dogs. Yeah. You know, they've been, yeah. ter- been terrible. Spurs, and Everton. Teams, yeah, oh, well, I just watched <laughs> Spurs again. Spurs, Bournemouth. Oh, it was awful. And obviously Bournemouth have got something to play for, but they're just not a very good team. And unfortunately, Tottenham aren't a good team either. So yeah. I've, I've seen some terrible games. And the, the only games that really have really captured my imagination, obviously the, uh, the Liverpool City game I thought was tremendous. And, and as I've mentioned before, you know, Man United and, uh, and Chelsea. Uh, yeah, have, yeah, have really entertained because you know they really have something to play for. So I think when you're watching the Premier League, you need to see teams uh, that are you know gunning for those European places. Yeah, and, and in those games, like for example, Brighton, when they're not playing some of the, whether it's Manchester United or Liverpool, when they are playing clubs kind of outside of the top six. They've been uh, refreshing to watch. Um, even the game against Arsenal was a great game too for, for Brighton. Uh, Leicester's been good. Newcastle's been really good too. Uh, there, there have been some good matches, but Spurs are playing almost like a very cynical team. Uh, and it seems to be like the, the Jose Mourinho influence, just a very cynical, I don't know, just a really boring team to watch right now. It's it's actually not painful, but it's it's not refreshing or exciting to watch them by any means. So and that's an interesting one because yeah. obviously, you know, Tottenham have this, you know, history and tradition of wanting to be, you know, entertainers and, and play great football. Um, yeah. And, you know, Mourinho just doesn't seem like a fit for them. But I guess yeah. we'll have to wait and see with a full season under his belt. And that's the thing, that too, like, what, earlier this season, I think uh, Daniel Levy was, was thinking that, OK, bring in Jose, uh, you know, have, have it be some great attacking football. None of this kind of... Um, defensive so to speak with, with uh, under Poch, uh, Pochettino if anything it's it's worse now in terms of just just the way that they're playing and and also of course with um I mean a big name and, and then the you I mean the NFL game's going to be at uh, White Hart Lane the new White Hart Lane and then everything came crashing down um including Spurs, including Jose, including the, the chances of the NFL uh, games being played there too so I think it's going to be a long summer um, at White Hart Lane but Nick before we go to MLS, I just have to talk about a couple of disclaimers. I mean, I have no idea what you're going to say and what your impressions are of the first game and also of ESPN's coverage. We did talk about this a couple of weeks ago and said, OK, the first few days expect to see a lot of uh, flubs or just just it's going to take a while to get to get going. But I, 
I can say this for you too, but neither of us hate MLS. Neither of us have any uh, kind of animosity towards Major League Soccer. Uh, we want the league to succeed. We want it to, to grow and get better. Um, but we have to say that too, because otherwise we get people on social media and other places going like, oh, you guys are just, you mean just MLS haters or Euro snobs or all sorts of things. But that's for, like, you mean, nothing can be further from the truth there. So having said that, Nick, what were your first impressions of just ESPN's coverage um, for that uh, Orlando against Miami game? Well, I thought, uh, I thought they, they, they did a really good job, to be fair. Um, I was really honestly quite moved by the ceremony before the kickoff uh, involving the players and uh, Black Lives Matter. Yeah. I thought that was really well done, so, so heartfelt, um, very compassionate, and you could really feel the raw emotion uh, coming through the TV screen of, of the players players involved. So I, I, I thought that was uh, I thought that was really respectful and, and beautifully done. Um, but ha, you know, there's there's an interesting. Uh, there's, there's so many sub stories, Chris, to this MLS is back tournament. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the players, and uh, I'm, I'm actually on a Twitter feed, MLS is back insider, and uh, I'll, I'll quickly read you this tweet. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's an anonymous player insider agent media poll. Okay, true or false? None of us want to lose our jobs, so we're just keeping our mouths shut and hoping for the best. 70% players said that was true. Wow. Which, which um, you know, leads me to believe that all is not well in Orlando, and you can see why. I mean, FC Dallas, one of the teams, uh, actually had to go home, 10 positive cases. Uh, Nashville, like they have quite a few positive cases as well. Yep. So the tournament is really in flux, um, and in some weird, perverse way, actually it could help the tournament because now it, it kind of balances things out. You know, there'll be you know, six groups of four instead of that weird group of six. But I, I just don't see how they're going to keep this tournament alive because you know florida is spiking you live in florida mm -hmm. um there's just so many outside agents that uh have the potential to come in and uh infect some of the players and it just it just seems like it's a it's a disaster waiting to happen unfortunately now i know don garber and espn um have Put together a, a project, and, and I like it. You know, I, I thought the, uh, the the screen they had uh, with advertising that that wasn't you know overly distracting. Um, the mics on the pitches were great, although I am a little disappointed with the uh, the time delay because you know a part of hearing players speak is the use of industrial language, and I think everybody right now is familiar with industrial language it's not the end of the world mm -hmm. and this would add so much more um well, not only emotion but uh nuance to what the players are talking about um which i think would be great uh, i thought the camera angles were cool although i i would uh advise espn not to do any overhead shots because as we spoke about uh, a couple of weeks ago, it does have that kind of high school stadium feel to it, which I think cheapens what MLS is trying to do. But, you know, overall, I thought I thought Champion and uh, Twelman did their, their usual uh, stellar job. And, you know, the, the quality of football, 
in the first half I thought was just terrible, but that's to be expected. And then, uh, you know, it's nothing like a, a Portuguese uh, superstar in Nani to uh, get a dramatic 96-minute winner. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's so much to cover in this one. And you are right, too. There's a lot of uh, subplots and sub subtopics on this one. Um, the players, I, I completely understand where the players are coming from. I mean, just being in this bubble and seeing all these reports of... Uh, and actually breaking news is, is Nashville uh, have dropped out of the tournament. So it, it is down to those those uh, six groups of four, like you said. So as a player, and then you're hearing reports about uh, the test. I mean, one day it's it's um, positive, the next day it's negative. So there's a lot of question marks about the kind of the uh, how, how much, uh, you mean, truth there are in these tests anyway. I mean, how, how accurate are they? Uh, being inside a bubble, being in for, for I mean, there's what 48, 49 or more games left to go. This is going to be a long summer in an environment where, I mean, you're contained. You you can't go out to the clubs or or, or, or for drinks with friends or to meet up with, with family. So it is a really tough uh, ask of the players. But as far as the television coverage, I, I was really impressed, especially for the first game. Like you said, that that. Um, the Black Lives Matter uh, kind of moments before the game started, that was really, really long silence. Actually, they timed it. It was eight minutes and 46 seconds of complete silence. And it was powerful. It was one of those things that at the end you're like, holy crap, this this is this was really intense. This really got the message through. And, and I think that absolutely right there, that divided the audience. I mean, so anyone who's, you mean, against the Black Lives Matter uh, movement, which there are many people, I mean, that sends a, a message right to them to say, hey, this is not for you. This is for people that are more open, that want to see change. And, and for them to make that type of statement before the game even kicks off you I mean makes a, it was really really powerful the game itself oh my gosh I, I, I mean yes and and this is not a criticism of major league soccer because in the game on um thursday that ny new york city fc and philadelphia union uh the play was much better much better but you know, probably the two worst teams in Major League Soccer, Orlando and Miami, were absolutely awful. I mean, and it was very much a physical game, overly physical. I'm watching this game going, okay, when I see Dom Dwyer make, make the first foul, I'm like, okay, that's a straight yellow card. I see him make a second uh, straight, straight foul like that. That should be another yellow card. He should be sent off. And that's even before halftime. And that's and he got no yellow cards. He just got a free kick on both of those. And then, of course, the um, the unfortunate incident with uh, Andres Reyes getting uh, elbowed in the Adam's apple and having breathing difficulties and having to be stretched off the pitch. But, but not just Dom Dwyer, but that whole entire game was refereed very poorly. The referee didn't protect the players. And the level of play was absolutely awful. It was just very physical and not attractive at all and um, gave MLS a bad name but it's, it's just based on those two teams there are much better teams in MLS that play much better football well and so I, I would be looking at MLS and, and, and whoever put the, the fixture list together and going why on earth in the first game back when you have really the sports landscape to yourself would you put two dog crap teams together Yep. I mean, 
like you say, it was. I thought it was an overly physical game. I thought there should have been a couple of red cards. I mean, there was a couple of tackles where I, I would go, "Oh, that's a, that's a straight red." Yeah, and, and and nothing happened. Uh, you know, we we spoke about what the conditions would be like. I mean, it looks so hot and steamy, Chris. I mean, yeah. those players. It looked like they had a hot shower, right, on the pitch. Dripping, <laughs> yeah. dripping buckets. But, yeah, you know, there's much better teams in MLS. Have the first game be a marquee matchup. Go go LAFC against the Galaxy. Yeah. Um, you know, Seattle versus Portland. I mean, make it something where, the you know, it really matters. I mean, this is a, this is a rivalry. We're talking Orlando into Miami. It's not even a rivalry yet. It's yeah. just, you know, it's just two, two first games game ever. happen to be... Yeah, that happened to be in the same state and no supporters. So, you know, it, I, I thought that was that was a missed opportunity by MLS to really take the sporting landscape and say, hey, look at us. This is what we've done. This is what we've created. And, and this is our product. And, it, and it's really good because, like you say, you know, I, I hadn't thought about the, the, the Black Lives Matter um, display uh, as as something that would you know split uh, opinion, but now that you've mentioned it, I, I could actually see that happening. Yeah, so um, it, it, that had to be done. But then on, on the back of that, have a great game. Have a great game yeah. that really gets people talking about the football. And uh, and that and that didn't happen. And I didn't see the game this morning. And like you just said, you know, with Nashville out of the tournament. They're, they're not going to be the last team to go, unfortunately. And I, I just, I just feel that MLS have tried to ram this through, and if it goes pear-shaped, Chris, it's going to be such a black eye for the league. And the fact that you know there's collective bargaining with the players, and, the, and many of the players are feeling really uncomfortable about being in Orlando and, and being in this bubble for you know forty odd days. It, it just seems like they're playing with fire. Yeah, I mean, the hope is that uh, this is just isolated to Nashville and, and FC Dallas, and, and taking those two teams out of the out of the bubble, sending them home is going to limit the number of additional people that uh, test positive, and that's the hope. I mean, because if if that if it isn't that case, I, I mean, then it is one of those things where. You know, I mean, this tournament may not end because there might be other cases and those numbers increase, and then before you know it, the whole the whole thing's falling apart. Hopefully, I mean, I just don't see how. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't see the the, the point of, of tying the results from this tournament into the regular season as yeah. well. It just it just seems it seems a little half baked, Chris. I mean, I I think the the intention, and don't get me wrong, I think the intention to get MLS back in action is great. Mm-hmm. I think the way they've done it isn't great. And w- when we look at, you know, obviously look, America's far bigger than far, far bigger than Europe. But I think, you know, if if MLS can, you know, cook up the uh, the draw the way they want it, they could have certainly rearranged fixtures so that you know East Coast teams stayed East Coast and really cut down on the traveling. Maybe even get people on, you know, buses and and, and trains or you know if if they're feeling uncomfortable with uh, with the uh, plane travel. Um, but just to, just to jam it home to uh, satisfy, obviously, sponsors and TV, yep. uh, 
I, I don't know. I, I, I've, I've got a horrible feeling this, this is going to come back and, uh, and bite MLS. Yeah, I, I hope you're wrong on this one. But, but it is, it, you might be right. The one thing about this, though, too, I would say that um, this was like the worst timing possible of all the things coming together. And a lot of it goes back to the, the CBA, the, the actual that the agreement hadn't been signed. And then there was the talk about uh, playing games in a bubble. And this has been going back several weeks now. And Florida seemed to be the place that uh, with uh, I mean, everything opening up, it seemed to be the ideal location. And with ESPN and Disney having that property there. And then also with Major League Soccer wanting the players to come in early. in, in I think early June, I think they wanted them to come in. And then quarantine here for a couple of weeks or for a week or so. Uh, and then stop uh, individual training, then start group training, and then build that up to playing. I think it would have been like probably late June. And as it as it happened with um, the CBA back and forth, the actual negotiations, and then it ended up being that the players had a lot of power, a lot of say in this. And then uh, I think a compromise was reached where they said, "Okay, all right, we'll kick off games in in uh, what July eighth. That compromise. Eventually, it has hurt Major League Soccer because uh, they lost time and they weren't able to bring those players in early. The players didn't want to come in early because they wanted to spend more time with their family, which is uh, understandable. But actually, if anything, on this one, I think it's more the MLS players that kind of put MLS into a difficult position where they really had no alternative at that point because they already were sold on the, on the Florida project, probably invested a lot of time and resources to make it happen. But yeah, what a mess. Ho- hopefully things will continue and hopefully things will get better. Well, I mean, look, we're, we're missing a couple of marquee players as well, which, yeah. you know, makes you go, mm, right. you know, listen, Carlos, Car- Vela. Car- Carlos Vela is, yeah. is a wonderful talent, uh, scores goals for fun. And it probably, uh, yeah, I would say he's the face of MLS right now. Not only is he the face of MLS, but he's the face of uh, Mexican football as well. So there's that whole opportunity to maybe get, a different audience, a new audience in to, to watch the games. And he's not showing up. And then I think uh, Jonathan DeSantos isn't showing up. And, you know, the, yeah. the, these, these are the kind of marquee names that people will go, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to watch. You know, I mean, if you're a fan of another league because, you know, you just, you've heard of these players and you, and you want to see what they're all about. So, um, uh, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't know how... They, ex- you know, you, you don't explain that one away. And, and of course, you know, look, you, you have to respect the player's view. You know, if, if a player doesn't feel safe and uh, obviously there's still so much to be known about COVID. I mean, the, the unknowns are mm-hmm. just uh, keep on piling up, to be honest with you. Um, so I, I don't blame any any player that decided to stay at home and and take care of their family and their safety first. Right. Yeah. No. I I agree completely. One hundred percent. Yeah. It's uh. It's really. I, I actually I give MLS a lot of credit for taking the risk in this one. Um. Hopefully it's not going to be a an unfortunate risk, but hopefully it'll pay out for them because they had to, had to do something. It's a gamble, and um, they're trying to do the best that they can, but. Uh, yeah, we just have to keep our fingers crossed that uh, from the healthcare side of things that uh, things will get worked out. All right, let's move on to TV streaming news and the big news this week. And this is one actually I had been working on for the past week. 
Uh, World Soccer Talk got the scoop, got the exclusive, so we were able to report on Wednesday uh, that CBS have the exclusive English language rights to broadcast the UEFA Champions League and Europa League and the Super Cup uh, for the remainder of this season, for the 2019-2020 season, through until the end of the 2023-24 season, which will also include uh, next season. In total, it'll be more than uh, four, four full seasons of coverage. Uh, the first official broadcast will be Friday, July 10th, when they air the draw for the, uh, the latter rounds of the Champions League and the Europa League. And their first actual match coverage will begin on Wednesday, August 5th for the Europa League uh, round of 16 second leg matches. Now, CBS already had the rights for 2021 through the end of the 2023-24 season. But with Turner Sports uh, dropping out in the last few weeks and giving those rights back to UEFA, UEFA approached CBS and said, hey, would you be interested in uh, starting up uh, over a year in advance of what you're uh, planning on doing? And um, we'll work with you to, to try to help you to get everything uh, set up. And CBS agreed to that. So that's good news in, in that uh, English language uh, viewers don't have to worry. They don't have to worry about uh, not having games on English language television. Of course, Univision and Tuduene still have the rights on the Spanish language side through to 2024. And what this means for viewers in the United States is that every single uh, UEFA Champions League match, uh, Europa League match, and also the new Conference League matches will be streamed live on CBS All Access, which is the streaming uh, platform from CBS. It's $6 a month. Um, and then select games, select marquee games will be shown on CBS, uh, the over-the-air network, and uh, also the CBS Sports Network, which is its own you mean, cable satellite uh, channel. So having heard that, Nick, are you excited? Or what, what's your thoughts about CBS and uh, what they could do for the Champions League? Well, I'm absolutely delighted that, you know, all the games are going to be able to be viewed i mean that, that's a huge one uh the fact that they'll do you know free to wear on on the big games is great news uh i think you know streaming games on platforms i mean that's that's a given these days um you know i, I wasn't terribly impressed with turner i'll i'll be very honest with you um and I'm not disappointed to see it go although i'm very very surprised that they just dropped it before the end of the uh, the cycle, I mean, I, I know that there has been obviously a delay. Uh, we would have we would already have a European champion by now, um, but uh, you know they, they've they've done the coverage. They've they've taken us up to the quarterfinals and then just to uh, say no, we're not going to do it anymore. Strange one for me, um, yeah. but anyway, that's that's life in in TV. Uh, I think CBS, you know. Um, have you heard what their plans are for a studio show and in terms of talent and whatnot? Yeah, good question. So uh, so some of this is a scoop. Some of it is that um, – so I know in terms of their production, in terms of their producers and the vision for the UEFA Champions League on CBS, um, they've hi- – well, actually, it's somebody from internal. They have somebody that um, they've appointed that's, got to, that's going to lead this. And this is somebody who is a soccer person who is knowledgeable about soccer. And uh, 
they're putting this person in charge of really kind of um, setting up kind of the framework to go ahead and, and produce a really quality product. Even in the press release too, the press release that went out on uh, Thursday, they mentioned that soccer is a very kind of, uh, I mean, kind of a very passionate audience and very crit- critical and that they're uh, cogniz- cognizant of that and they're, they're going to take all the right steps to make it uh, as polished as possible. Uh, no names have been mentioned yet. Uh, they're, they're focusing first on the studio uh, talent, um, obviously just probably a presenter, maybe uh, an analyst or two. Um, but no names have been mentioned. But they have spoken to individuals uh, to see, um, to gauge interest in these positions for it. So, knock on wood, hopefully it'll be good. Do you know if it's going to be uh, American-centric or are they going to go European? Well, that yeah, that I don't know yet. So, so that I know that um, most of the production is going to be handled f- for the games, around the games themselves, I believe will be handled out of the uh, CBS Sports Network studio in New York City. So, um, which gives them the opportunity probably to get some bigger names with it being New York, and if they wanted to, they could easily fly somebody over from, you know, in London or Paris or, or I mean, Milan or wherever, I guess down the road after this whole coronavirus thing is over, uh, to bring talent in. But right now, I don't know if, they, if they're going to be more American-centric or more um, European-centric or more kind of um, maybe an ESPN mixture where it's a little bit, a little bit of both. All right, let, let me move on to the next uh, news item, and that is uh, to, to say goodbye to NBC Sports Gold and Hello Peacock. NBC Sports has announced that for the 2020-21 season, Peacock will stream 175 Premier League matches exclusively on the Peacock Premium platform. In total, Peacock Premium will present more than 1,500 hours of Premier League live match and shoulder programming. Uh, included will be uh, full event replays for all one, 380 matches on demand after um, 9 p.m. Eastern. So all content will uh, all content that was previously presented on NBC Sports Gold Premier League Pass will shift exclusively to Peacock Premium with the start of the 2020-21 Premier League season. NBC and NBCSN will continue to present extensive Premier League live match coverage, as well as uh, pre- and post-match shows and additional shoulder programming. And if you haven't given Peacock a test drive yet, Peacock will be exclusively streaming all of the Premier League games on July 15th, which include Arsenal against Liverpool, uh, Burnley against Wolves, Newcastle against Spurs and Man City against Bournemouth. Uh, also, uh, to add to this too, that um, Peacock Premium is currently available at no additional cost to Comcast, Xfinity, X1, Flex customers across the country. And uh, last but not least, uh, Pre- Peacock Premium will be available for four ninety nine a month and features more than 15,000 hours of content. And as of press time, it looks unlikely that Peacock will be available on Roku or Amazon Fire TV by the July 15th launch date. So, so Nick, having said that, we just talked about CBS before a minute ago and talked about uh, kind, of a, kind of a warm and positive uh, viewpoint that uh, all the games would be available on streaming if people ch- choose to go down that path. And now with the Premier League, for next season, there's going to be more games than ever before that are exclusive, only available on the paid streaming service, which is now Peacock, and that means NBC Sports Gold will no longer be involved. What's your take on this one? 
Well, I think uh, M- NBC are like your local crack dealer, right? They've got you. They've got you hooked. They've got you addicted. And if you're a big fan of the Premiership, you know you're you're going to pay the, the the premium price to see as many games as possible. Uh, you know, f- for me, for it for it to be successful, and uh, I, I know that this is out of NBC's hands, but the the fans, you know, having fans back in the stands is going to be the uh, the barometer for me on, on whether I'm going to spend the uh, the extra money um, because mm. as, as much as I've enjoyed having the Premier League back and, and in fact world football I mean I saw uh, the we were speaking about uh, games that we saw at the Milan Juventus game was an, an absolute cracker as well and can you imagine what that game would have been like with seventy thousand fans inside yeah I mean it, it, it would have just been just been immense so I think as as a as a casual viewer of the Premier League, you're not going to spend the extra money, unfortunately. However, uh, if, if, you're a, if you're a diehard, I think um, you know Peacock will have uh, will have everything you want, and the ability to see every game reminds me of uh, the old Fox Sports World days, where you know we used to show uh, all ten games uh, from from the Premier League over over the course of the weekend. So. Um, I, I think it's I think it's a great service, and I'll be interested to see how many uh, how many games they have on oh god on tape delay. Yeah, uh, because if you can't if you can't watch it live, uh, you know you sometimes you want to watch it on on tape delay. Will they will they have that feature? So yeah, it'll be available, but not until later that day. I think after nine o'clock Eastern time, so like what six p.m. Pacific time. So, and by that time, I mean from this day and age, say back to, compared to back to Fox Sports World days, in Fox Sports World days, you could probably, you know, I mean, not even pay attention. Or you could, you could actually pay attention to to the newspapers, or I mean, before the internet, and not know the result of a match. And you'd have, say, the ten o'clock uh, Eastern Time game on a Saturday live, and then right after that, you'd have, say, the twelve o'clock game, and that would be a game that was uh, tape delayed from earlier that that day. And not know the results, but I think these days, though, that's the thing, though, is that they're making replays available, but not until later. But by that point, anyone that goes on on the internet or Facebook or or anything, or you know, your, your, your friends uh, texting you, you're going to know the score of that match. So it almost makes the replays uh, irrelevant, really. Yeah, it does, and uh, you know, it it, it costs uh, it costs money. I mean, I, I know uh, a month ago when we were talking about. How productions work, yeah, you know, it, it costs a lot of money to uh, to replay a game, and because you have to have all, all the cr- crew on hand. So, um, I would be very interested to see what their viewing figures are like, uh, because I think that's gonna it's gonna, really going to tell uh, the NBC executives exactly what the Premiership is worth when the big boys aren't playing, and uh, I think they might be in for a bit of a rude awakening. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, speaking of uh, TV ratings, just a couple to throw out here, and then we'll have the full list at worldsoccertalk.com. But um, last Sunday, it was Southampton against Man City uh, on, on NBC, uh, an over-the-air game, and this is a rare game. It was at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern on, on a Sunday. That one had uh, 876,000 viewers for that match, uh, which is which is pretty good. But, but again, being over-the-air uh, and being a later kickoff than usual on a Sunday... Uh, it should be bigger, but then again, at the same time, I mean, Southampton have, are safe uh, and Man City are not going to win the title. And so 
not that it's a dead rubber game, but it's pretty close to one. So, so 876,000 for that one. And then one other number to share, and that's the um, DFB uh, Pokal, the German Cup final, which was on ESPN2 on Saturday. And this was uh, Bayer Leverkusen against uh, Bayern Munich. And this game on ESPN2 had 108,000 viewers on this one, which which to me is pretty disappointing. But at the same time, um, there's a lot of other football on television to choose from. So there's a lot of competition. But again, that gives ESPN an idea of kind of that diehard, hardcore uh, German uh, soccer fans, what that base is. And, and it's a relatively small number to, to grow from. But um, at least they have a good indication there. Moving on to... Well, yeah, I mean... Go ahead. I didn't, re- I didn't realize the number was that small, Chris. I mean, 100,000 people for, you know, Bayern Munich in a, in, a, in a cup final game on ESPN2, which is a, you know, a, a national a national platform. I think that's a very disappointing number, if you ask me. Yeah, because even if you go back to some of the FSC days, the Fox Soccer Channel days, uh, you had some Premier League matches on... You mean, and the number of homes that uh, Fox Soccer Channel was in was like, what, less than 30 million, I think, or 20, 20 million perhaps. But those numbers, I think, were in the 60,000 to 80,000 to 100,000 um, back then. Yes, you are correct. All right. All right. Moving on to listener mailbag, uh, Rico Richardson says, uh, look, it's no big deal if uh, NBC uh, doesn't talk about Division One or First Division. I mean, the league constantly changed names. Heck, do you see people talk about prepaid Super Bowl champions when it comes to the NFL? The Premier League is a brand and NBC is just being consistent. I don't think it's erasure. And, and Nick, what this was uh, talking about was uh, on a previous podcast, I went on this whole rant of about how the Premier League, about how NBC Sports were focusing in on how many titles Liverpool had won. And rather than saying, OK, right, uh, with Liverpool winning the Premier League title, the first Premier League title, that uh, raises, raises the top flight titles to 19, only one away from Manchester United. Uh, but the focus on NBC Sports was really on how many Premier League titles had each club won. Uh, and they're basically paying lip service to everything that happened before 1992, which is like what, uh, since what, 1888 to uh, 1992 is a long amount of history there. Do you, do you, do you have uh, any takes on that one in terms of uh, your thoughts about uh, kind of how the Premier League is positioned as a brand and how anything before that is kind of forgotten? Yeah, I, th- I think that's uh, you know a little disappointing uh, from NBC. I mean, I, I understand why they want to brand it that way because they're they're paying so much money for it. But a top flight title is a top flight title. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's the Premier League, the Barclays Premier League, the Super League, the whatever whatever name you want to call it. If you are the champion of, of England, you know you are the champion of England. And so uh, I th- I thought their graphic and. If, if I'm not mistaken, I think on their graphic they had Liverpool with one, yeah, and then and then later on in the show they changed it to 19. Right. <laughs> so I, you know, I I can imagine that the uh, the phone lines must have just been <laughs> exploding with Liverpool fans going, "How dare you mark us down as one Premier League title? You know, we have 19 top flight titles. Put it down as 19." So exactly. Um, you know, I I understand where NBC are coming from, but I. You know what? The, the the football audience these days, Chris, it's educated, it's smart, it knows its history. Don't try and pull the wool over its eyes because it'll come back and bite you. Exactly, and and that was 
really kind of the uh, the genesis of my, my rant was as talking about how that was one of the first few mistakes that NBC Sports has made, where they showed a little bit of naive, naivety in terms of not really understanding the history of English football and uh, and also the fan bases and, all, and what it really means. Um, but moving on, Jason says I've been watching a ton of uh, Championship and FA Cup on ESPN Plus the last two weeks, quite glorious to have it again cheering for Brentford to get in there and take a top two spot before the end of the league schedule also cheering for the smaller smaller clubs like Luton and Barnsley to get out of the relegation zone also I liked the piped crowd noise myself on a downside I'm sick and tired of the kneeling uh, before the whistle of the game Next up is Harry. Harry says, I'm interested to see which has better results on limiting exposure to COVID-19, the MLS bubble system or the regional plan by USL. Uh, Listening to World Soccer Talk, Kartik was talking about how he was not a fan of the USL model and uh, if they have to play the best is not to play. And, and, and Kartik, I, I actually, I think, mentioned on Twitter that he's he's actually boycotting the USL games um, that are going to be shown, I think, on ESPN or ESPN2 this weekend uh, and is dead against it in terms of uh, USL's decision to go ahead and, and play matches uh, with fans in the stadium. So, so, Nick, you were talking before about the Premier League and you mean wanting to have a product like Peacock but needing the fans there to really kind of give it greater value, which, which it, it does add value to it. Well, USL is kind of throwing everything out the window and saying, okay, hey, we're putting fans in the stadium and, and, and let's see what happens. Well, I'm not sure if they are going to be able to put fans in the stadium by law. Obviously, with, the, with these spikes happening everywhere, I think uh, you know, certain states are making decisions to uh, cut back and uh, to, to slow down the opening. So it'll be interesting to see which teams and which states say, yeah, you can have fans in the stadiums and and certainly uh, maintain the, the social distancing, which is which is so important. But I mean, as you know, I've, I've been involved with USL through the Las Vegas Lights and uh, Eric Winolder. So uh, I will definitely have a passing interest in the USL. And uh, I'm not like Kartik. I'm not going to point it. <laughs> yeah, in Louisville, which I think Louisville's playing this game this weekend, the Saturday. Um, so they've been given permission to have 50% capacity. So uh, that's for the. Uh, yeah, Louisville City FC. So that'll be one to watch uh, on ESPN and see how that's handled. Next up is Donald Dickerson. He says, uh, the reason a lot of people illegally stream content is because the networks make it so damn hard to watch it legally. Most people who want to watch um, the Premier League would buy NBC Sports Gold. But alas, NBC makes you buy both a live service and gold if you want to watch every match from your team. I would hope here in America, the content providers will realize that making not only football easier to access, but also all sports in America needs to be uh, blackout free. Uh, Or uh, like, for example, he says, "I, I want to watch the St. Louis Cardinals in St. Louis. I should be able to subscribe to MLS TV, not a bloated live TV service. Sports should be easy to access and at a fair cost. Next up is uh, Disco George. Disco George says, uh, The lockdown's allowing me to watch a lot of matches across the board between working from home during the week and not having any MLS or NWSL games to go 
uh, to on the weekend, I'm getting to see a, a far bigger range of matches than normal. I mean, it would be nice to see the Champions League quarterfinals and semifinals at home uh, instead of on a stream at the office with someone whining about um, how they don't know uh, how to change the toner in the copier or whatever. With regards to illegal streaming, it's not much better in other sports. I'm a huge gymnastics fan, and you need regular NBC, NBCSN, Olympic Channel, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, SEC Network, Pac-12 Network, Big Ten Network, and quite a few of the regional Fox Sports networks to see everything, which is basically impossible. International fans have to illegally stream NCAA meets and the US-based fans use VPNs to get BBC or CBC streams of big international meets because NBC's coverage is so heinous. So that's interesting uh, on that, Disco George, in, in terms of just all the hoops. We soccer fans, uh, soccer fans think we have it bad, but it sounds like uh, gymnastics fans have it even worse in terms of all the hoops they have to go through. Yeah, well, uh, I, I, I'm a gymnastics fan once every four years, so uh, I, uh, <laughs> right. I'm, not sure, I'm not sure what Disco George is complaining about. I mean, if he lived in England, he would have a right to complain because here in the U.S. we see more live premiership football than perhaps anywhere else in the world. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Nick, here's one for you. This is from Robert, and he says, uh, who's your favorite uh, commentator and co-commentator? Well, I've always had a very soft spot for Martin Tyler, and I've got a great story for you if we have time. Uh, sure. I'm, cover- I'm covering my first World Cup in uh, South Korea and Japan. I'm in the media center uh, at Seoul, and uh, I'm sitting at my desk uh, writing my, uh, my pre-match uh, thoughts, and I look up, and who's sitting opposite me? But Martin Tyler. And so I very rarely get starstruck, but I became completely starstruck, completely tongue-tied, and uh, Martin, it, it was, I mean, this, he's a great guy, mm-hmm. took pity on me. And we ended up chatting for about an hour and a half, became great friends and uh, would see each other every two years as we, you know, did World Cups and European Championships and whatnot. So Martin Tyler's my uh, my favorite. And I, I kind of I, I like Stuart Robson. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think he, he doesn't make it about himself. Um, so he, he's, he's right up there. So, yeah, I mean, if, if, if there's a duo, it'd probably be Martin Tyler and Stuart Robson. Oh man, I'd say Martin Tyler is my all-time favorite. Um, but I, I like the Martin Tyler of old, kind of yeah. back, back, back a couple of decades ago. I mean, he's, he's, he's fine now, but he's different now than in what he was. Well, I think he's, he's, be, he's beginning to lose the, uh, the magic. And, and yeah. I, of course, that's going to happen after 35-plus years in the business. But uh, I, I, when, when he was on the top of his game, I really did think he, he was the best commentator around. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And my favorite, too, so my favorite commentator is John Champion, which, which uh, goes to show how much of a, a, coup, a coup it was for ESPN to really uh, to grab him from the Premier League and bring him over here. And my favorite play-by-play commentator... I think back in the day, all-time classic would be uh, Craig Burley, just because he was so entertaining to listen to. He'd call it as as it was, and it, it, he didn't care what uh, I mean if if he upset anyone. But I actually I agree with you on this one, Nick. Um, as far as my current would be Stuart Robson, and I'm glad to hear actually Stuart Robson is getting back and uh, doing a lot more um, Premier League games. And this is the first time in several years. Uh, this is I think today on Thursday he did the second game. 
uh, from the last couple of weeks. He did the Bournemouth uh, Spurs game, and, and it's a rarity to have him on the uh, the world feed for the Premier League. So that that's a glad a, a great thing to have him back. All right, Nick, just a couple more comments to go. Uh, Leo Steph says, uh, I think the title race in Spain is over. In the meantime, the race for the title in Portugal is hot. I can recommend the Portuguese league to people who do not normally watch this league. There are many beautiful goals and talented players there. Why not give this league a chance? The coverage of the Portuguese championship in Spanish is excellent. Unfortunately, about the English side, the same cannot be said, but still. And I agree there, too. Uh, and the last but not least, Paul Robinson says, I listened to you last uh, couple of episodes and I can't believe that as of now, there is not going to be actually this would have been before the, today's news, but uh, before there's uh, not going to be any English language broadcast of the Champions League on uh, the Europa League or US TV in any form. So th- that we know is, is not true anymore. But Paul does says maybe it's time you guys move over to the Great White North where DAZN Canada is available for $150 Canadian a year, which is about $120 US. And we get every Premier League uh, game, lots of championship games, all the Serie A games, all the championship uh, uh, Champions League games and Europa League. And I think cricket and rugby and all the Premier League productions uh, shows and and also NFL. So far, I haven't had to listen to Alexi Lalas or Warren Barton yet. So, yeah, it, that's always an option, Nick. We can always move to Canada and get to uh, zone and get but, but everything uh, streaming and nothing on television. All right, so we want you to have your say. Yeah, there you go. You, you can always reach us via email with any comments, questions, feedback uh, that you have. You can reach us through email at um, web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. So thank you for listening. We'll be back next Thursday with uh, maybe some more scoops, more information about uh, watching soccer on television. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review on iTunes. And uh, with Kartik not here and then uh, Nick dropping off, I would like to say, enjoy your football.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 